Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello. Steve, Zips of Akron. Hey, what's going on? And U Street. Hey, y'all. All right, a little bit of hiatus again. Uh, off-season will do that to you, but we are back and we are ready to talk all sorts of great stuff. We've got a little bit of basketball talk coming at you. Um, softball. Softball is making some noise, so we'll be talking some softball. And football recruiting because decommit time is upon us for hopefully only one recruit. Um, so let's start by looking at the Gopher men's basketball team. They added a grad transfer, Alhan Demir, or I hope I said his name properly, uh, who, who's coming to the U from Drexel. Uh, Steve, am I correct in assuming that this guy will automatically be better than Jordan Murphy and after one year with the Gophers will also have a banner in the rafters? Uh, that's right. They're going to retire his number after he's here for one season, and they might even put up a bronze statue of him uh, considering how Ooh. awesome he's going to do. So uh, put that in the prediction spreadsheet. Um but no, uh, Patino got another great ad for the for next year's team in an area of great need. You said it yourself. Murphy's gone. Um, we're going to miss him uh, very intensely, but it's going to ease the pain a little bit because we got Demir, who's um, going to fight to start at power forward over you know Eric Curry and Jarvis Omersa. Um, just adds another, an, another body down there and a... Um, and experienced body, nonetheless. You know, he's a senior from Drexel, um, was second in the team in scoring there. You know, he averaged, even in the Colonial, averaged close to 20 points per game, eight and a half rebounds per game, four assists. I mean, he really does it all. He can shoot threes, um, and he's sizable. I mean, he's six foot nine, 230 pounds. Um, granted, he's coming from a mid-major league where he's going to have to go body up in the Big Ten on the block. It's not going to be any picnic for him, but... Um, you know, for an area of need that the Gophers had coming into the, the offseason, um, not having much in the cupboard by way of size down low, adding Demir was a big win for Patino and makes us rest a little bit easier going into next season where we, um, you know, still have a great core of players um, and want guys like Demir who can come in, don't have a ton of growth needed, um, and should be able to contribute right away. Alex, from your perspective, what what do you think a – reasonable expectation is having never seen this kid play probably uh, for what he brings to the team next year. I have seen him play. In fact, he's going to be a off the bench player almost certainly. And that's fine. He'll add needed depth. He's going to be a back to the basket for man. Technically he shot some three pointers last year, but in the same way that Jordan Murphy shot three pointers last year. And it's hard for me to believe that he'll have the same green light that uh, Murphy did, but he can rebound the ball reasonably well. If nothing else, he's another body, and you need bodies, especially at the four position. Also, potentially, if they really wanted to go super small, he could slot over to the five. I don't think that's actually his position. He's definitely a four, but he's big enough that he could take on sort of underside centers in the Big Ten. Have you been a closet Drexel fan this whole time, and I just didn't know about it? No, I'm just deeply cultured and learned. (laughs) <laughs> Gentleman and a scholar, I got you. Um, all right, so with Demir, the lineup starts to come together a little bit. The big problem being Amir Kafi. We do not know if he is coming back. We do not know if he is leaving. Andy, am I correct in remembering that we have basically still 
almost two weeks to the dot uh, to the day. Uh, May 29th is when we should, when, 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 not should, when we have to know if Amir Coffey is coming or coming or going from the Gophers. Yeah, May 29th is the deadline because <coughs> Amir Coffey was not one of the 60-some or 70 players invited to the NBA Combine. Um, if you're a player who was invited to the NBA Combine, you can stick it out through the entire draft process, and then if you're not drafted, you can go back to school uh, after the draft, no harm, no foul. If you were not invited to the Combine, uh, you have until the date, which this year is May 29th, to make a decision. So by May 29th, Amir Coffee will have to decide, all right, I am... Don't think that I'm going to get drafted. I don't think that I'm going to sign a two-way deal with an NBA team. Uh, I don't want to play in Europe right now. I'm going to withdraw and go back for my senior season at the University of Minnesota. Or he has to declare that, yep, I am done. I'm giving up all college eligibility, and I am becoming a professional player, whether that's a drafted player, a two-way contract by an NBA team, um, or he's going to end up playing in Europe if all else fails. So uh, we got two weeks, basically, to, to finalize um, what we're going to do with that roster spot, whether Coffee comes back or whether we still have two scholarships open um, for the 2019-2020 uh, season. All right, so let's just assume for the moment that Coffee's coming back. That's the happy. That's the happy outcome. It's the outcome we're all hoping for. Um, because while we all wish Amir nothing but the best of success, you know, best of success for him would, of course, be playing in the NBA, and right now that doesn't seem like as likely an outcome as G League or, or Europe. So if Amir comes back, Steve, what does your projected lineup look like? Uh, obviously the five starters, but any major contributors coming off the bench. If Amir is back, how do you see the lineup shaking out? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you're you... – Basically got Marcus Carr at the point, which is pretty well established, and Gabe Kalsher um, at the two. Um, from there, if, if Coffee comes back, he's he's at the three. Um, leading scorer, first team All-Big Ten candidate. Um, and then from there, I mean, you got Oturo locked in at center. And I'm going to disagree with Alex. I do like um, Demir coming in to start right away, just given his um, experience. Uh, he'll be, again, in his fifth year. Um and Curry coming back from injury, I mean, is he going to start right away? Who, who knows? Um, and I, I don't think we'll be throwing Jarvis O'Marissa into that four spot right away either. Um, but that leaves on the bench, you know, like we said, Curry, O'Marissa, um, Michael Hurt, if we can get some uh, additional uh, PT from him. I know he's been, his minutes have been, you know, limited in his first three years, but um, senior year, does he take a jump? Who knows? Um, I think, Guys who can contribute right away from the new folks. You know, we grabbed Isaiah Enan, got Trey Williams, got Sam Freeman. Um, I think of all those, it likely that Enan probably gets some playing time. I think they might ease Trey Williams in from a guard standpoint, but um, I don't think they'll. I don't think Williams will over will overtake uh, Peyton Willis, who sat out last year, um, and will be a junior who will likely be the um, seventh man and can uh, contribute from a a backcourt standpoint. Remember, he transferred from Vanderbilt, sat out a year, got some good accolades from Patino. So um, if we're looking with uh, Coffee coming back, it's a, long, a long-winded answer of saying, um, I think your two guys coming off the bench are Curry and uh, Peyton Willis. Street, where uh, is your main disagreement just Demir with that, assuming Coffee's back, or do you see some other 
differences for, for your lineup? Based on this season, it's difficult to believe that Richard Pitino will not start Eric Curry if it's the possibility that he can play. I think that one of the problems that occurred kind of at the nadir of the season in the Big Ten play when they lost a couple of games in a row and Curry wasn't as mobile as he needed to is that they weren't playing Mats and instead they were playing Curry. And I think that's because Richard Pino really likes him, which is part of the reason I think he'll start at the four. So Demir is going to be the first guy off the bench. I think Isaiah Enan has the potential to play right away, partially because I think Peyton Willis may actually be backing up the point guard. And there's currently a prospect on campus now or in the near future, Mika Adams-Woods, who was committed to Nebraska as a point guard. Uh, he's a three-star out of the Northeast. If he if he shows up uh, and commits, he will be your backup point guard. And then I think the lineup gets a little bit weird. Partially, the only thing that I'm very confident about is that Gabe Kalsher and Daniel Artura will play as many minutes as they can handle. And everything past that is an open question. All right, let's say uh, let's say coffee doesn't come back. Keep it with you, Street. I mean, do you? Th- what happens to this team? And I guess I'm asking that in a broad way. Like, is there a way that you still see plausible holes being filled through some final, you know, grad transfer, other kind of transfer setup, or do you? Th- or you know, another recruit coming late, or do you think uh, they just are going to have to go patchwork from what they've got left uh, on the squad? They'll bank the scholarship for sure for 2020. It's too late to grab anyone. I mean, I suppose it's possible that thanks to John Beeline becoming the new Cleveland Cavaliers coach, maybe there are a lot of magical grad transfers coming out of the University of Michigan. But otherwise, it's really late in the process. I don't think you're going to add anyone positive. If they take Mika Adams-Woods this weekend and Coffee doesn't come back, then you obviously bank the scholarship because the 2020 class is really solid. And in some sense, I think you actually are all right. Your hole then moves to be at the small forward position which is not the worst place to have a hole. And I think you just sort of patchwork minutes between Enan, Willis, Michael Hurt, Trey Williams, depending on how uh, the lineup shakes out. Maybe you get really big with uh, Demir Oturo going on the court at the same time with like Omersa weirdly playing the three because he's very athletic. I'm not totally sure how you would how you would function that. Certainly the Gophers are worse if Amir Coffey does not return than if he does. That's not a question. With that said, however, the team still has enough talent that they should make the NCAA tournament next year. It's going to be a much bigger fight. They're definitely going to be a bullet team, but 100% going to be the be the same. A, a bullet team? That's a new one. Bubble bubble bullet team. Hey, well, I suppose it could be a, a, a bullet bourbon or bullet rye team since we'll be drinking as we await their fate. So a hundred percent. Maybe you were spot on all along and we just missed it. Um, all right, so a softball. Softball is a number seven seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, for anyone not fully aware of the NCAA tournament and how that works for softball, that means they host a home regional uh, and actually have an opportunity to host their first ever home super regional if they win their, their regional um, because they're uh, within the, the top eight seeds. Uh, it, to give you a sense of how big of a deal that is, they were actually 
well, I'm going to let Andy kind of do a comparison for me here in a minute about how good this team is compared to the team from two years ago. But two years ago, they had an opportunity to be a top 16 team before the NCAA screwed them. And we were just really mad about not being a top 16 team. Uh, but no, this is a top eight team. This is a super regional opportunity team. And that's a heck of a big deal for the Gophers. So Andy, uh, for me, I'll be honest, the, the, I was really much better focused on softball two years ago than I was last year. So I can think about the team two years ago. I can think about the team this year. How does this team match up, in your opinion, compared to the one two years ago in terms of overall? Because obviously from an NCAA perspective, much better. But um, for anyone who hasn't been watching closely, is this a very similar team or, or what, how, do they, how do they match out? Yeah, I know. I think there's lots of similarities between this team and that team. Um, the main difference why that team two years ago sort of got the shaft and ended up as basically the equivalent of the number 17 team and had to go on the road and why this year is the number seven um, is, is twofold. One is their strength of schedule. Uh, the Gophers played an insane non-conference schedule this year um, where they ended up playing the what ended up being the number four seed, number five seed, number six seed, number eight seed, and number nine seed all in the non-conference season. Um, so Minnesota went out and they, they found some really, really, really good teams to play. Um, and they, you know, they struggled against them. The, to be perfectly honest, the only two wins they picked up in that non-conference were against Texas, who uh, their RPI was uh, the seventh-ranked RPI in the country, and, and Minnesota beat them two out of three games, which helped. Uh, the other thing that made a drastic difference is the strength of the Big Ten. Uh, the Big Ten two years ago was absolute hot garbage. So Minnesota picked up absolutely zero RPI points going through and sweeping. They didn't lose a Big Ten game. They were undefeated in the regular season and ended up winning the, the Big Ten tournament. Um, that's because the Big Ten was terrible, and they didn't get anything in it. This year, they ended up finishing third due to weird percentage points things of the uh, in the Big Ten regular season and then took second in the tournament, losing a heartbreaker to Michigan in the championship game. Um uh, but Minnesota ended up the ninth ranked RPI team in the country. Northwestern ended up the 12th ranked RPI team in the country. And Michigan ended up the 13th ranked RPI team in the country. So Minnesota winning three out of four games against Northwestern and then losing the one game to Michigan didn't hurt them. Uh, Minnesota actually moved up and was the only team, as far as I could tell, that actually was seeded two spots higher than their RPI. Um, so... The, the NCAA really appreciated the the strength of schedule and the way the Gophers competed in the Big Ten this year, which made a huge difference. All right, so speaking of, uh, I want to talk about the, the NCAA tournament here in a minute, but let's let's keep it to the Big Ten tournament that just finished up. Gophers finished second in the Big Ten tournament. Can you kind of just give a quick recap of how the Big Ten tournament played out for them? Yeah, so Minnesota, as I said, got the third seed. Um, what, what, what sort of, they should have had, by by all rights, the second seed, um, but Minnesota and Michigan State had a game, for all intents and purposes, snowed out uh, in in early April. Um, so the Big Ten does goes by percentage points. So while Minnesota beat Northwestern two out of three games in the last week of the season um, to finish with the uh, same amount of losses, uh, Minnesota had one less win than the Wildcats. Uh, put due to playing one less game, and of course Michigan State was the 
worst team in the Big Ten. Uh, so it would have been an easy win for the Gophers. Uh, had that happened, they would have gotten the two seed, not the three seed. But uh, it didn't matter. Uh, Gophers came in as the three seed, played Purdue, who was the 11th seed in the quarterfinals, and struggled a little bit. Um, they threw Sidney Smith, who's their second pitcher, basically because they knew that they should be able to beat Purdue on the backs of their of their second pitcher. Um, and they did. They, they struggled to hit a little bit, but uh, they did enough to do it. Uh, got a 4-3 win, um, advanced to the semifinals where they met up with Northwestern again, who, as I said, they had beaten two out of three times at home the last week in the regular season. Uh, had no problem. Amber Pfizer pitched one of her best games of the year. Uh, tied her career high, 13 strikeouts, and they they shut up the Wildcats for nothing. Um, and then they got Michigan in the championship game uh, immediately after their semifinal game. And, and the games were pushed up early on Saturday due to weather in, in Bloomington, Indiana, where the tournament was. So the Gophers played uh, the late game Friday night, came back and played a semifinal at 11 a.m. Saturday, and then the championship game immediately after that. Um, so they were a little little worn out compared to, to Michigan, obviously. Um uh, and Minnesota started Smith again because Pfizer had just gone seven full innings against Northwestern. Um, they, the Wolverines got to her a little bit in the middle innings, jumped out to a 3 nothing lead. Uh, there was about a half-hour rain delay. Gophers regrouped, came back, hit a couple of home runs to cut the lead to 3-2, but just couldn't get the last run in and, and lost to Michigan, snapping their streak of uh, three consecutive Big Ten tournament titles um, as the Wolverines took the crown. And, and basically... Um, yeah, looking at the NCAA tournament, it pretty much lofted them in. Um, you know, I went back to saying, you know, how, how the, Gophers, the Gophers and the rest of the Big Ten were so good this year. Um, comparatively, when you go to a national a national ranking, the Big Ten is is not respected in, in the national rankings. Uh, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Michigan, all three were top 16 seeds this year. All three will be hosting home regionals. I'm... I haven't found it written anywhere, but I'm nearly 100% sure that's never happened in the history of Big Ten softball, that they've had three teams all hosting home regionals in the NCAA tournament. That's awesome, actually. I'm That's that's really exciting in general. Like, obviously, anyone who knows me knows I'm not a conference rah-rah kind of guy, but if you're... This would be one of the few... I never root for the success of my rivals or those I uh, do, you know, hate. But in general, this would be one of the few times I could actually say, you know what, all, a rising tide lifts all boats because, um, well, until this tide started rising, the Gophers were floating on top of the, low, you know, really low pond. So this might actually be the exception that proves the rule for cheering for other Big Ten teams. Um Amber Pfizer, uh, just kind of quickly recapping, Big Ten Pitcher of the Year, correct? Yep, she did. She won the Big Ten Pitcher of the Year. Uh, she joins uh, the ace from that team two years ago, from Minnesota, Sarah Grunewagen, as the only two Gopher pitchers to win that award in, in Big Ten history. And uh, she was insane down the stretch. Um, only dropped one game in, in conference play and uh, led the Big Ten in, in strikeouts. Um I mean, she she's gonna be she's gonna be how this team goes forward. Uh, she's gonna have to pitch some of her of her best games in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, unfortunately for Minnesota, they've got they've got two starting pitchers in Pfizer and Sidney Smith, but there's a big drop between number one and number two. Um, so Pfizer is really gonna have to be as sharp as she can, and she's gonna have to just outduel some of uh, some of the better pitchers in in the game, especially as we get into the if they make it to the super regionals. Um, 
you know, <coughs> the Gophers have some players who can hit. They're going to have to show up and, and do what they can too. But, uh, you know, Pfizer is going to make or break this team. If, if she comes out and pitches the tournament of her lives, the Gophers might have a chance to make it to the College World Series for the first time ever. Um, if she struggles, the Gophers are, are going to be in a bit of trouble. Looking at the at the home regional that they're hosting, how does that, in your opinion, did they draw a group of death kind of regional, or do they have a fairly easy slate? Well, this is where the NCAA kind of gets their revenge, and this is where Minnesota sort of gets screwed geographically as well. Um, so yes, Minnesota's the number seven seed. They're hosting uh, a home regional for the first time since 2014 and have the chance to host their first ever home super regional. But, yeah, they got put in the bracket of death. Um, if you look at the other three teams in the bracket, North Dakota State, Drake, and Georgia, uh, the combined RPI of those four teams is about 25. The next lowest RPI average of any other regional in the country is 35. So Minnesota is uh, playing three incredibly tough teams here this weekend. Uh, all four teams in the regional have 40 wins. That's the only region in the country where all four teams have 40 wins. Um, and again, unfortunately for Minnesota, a lot of it has to do geographically. Uh, Drake is won the um, Midwest, or not, yeah, the Midwest Conference, or Valley, whatever conference, I'm sorry, I can't remember. But either way, they, they tore through that. Uh, they have the number two, 22 RPI in the country. Um North Dakota State won the uh, whatever conference they're in, the Summit or whatever they're in now. Uh, they tore through that conference. They're the number 44 RPI in the country. Um, but because the NCAA likes to go cheap on the early regionals, they're easy bus rides to Minneapolis. So both those teams are, are coming to, to play the Gophers rather than busing to Northwestern or something like that. Um Georgia, arguably, is one of the better teams in the SEC. They made it to the College World Series a year ago. Uh, so they won't be an easy out at all for Minnesota. Um, so the Gophers are going to have to be on their game to try and make it through a home regional. If they can, which it matches up pretty similar to what happened in 2014 when they did. North Dakota State was there. You had Auburn, a ranked Auburn team, as uh, the SEC representative up here. Um, and I'm, I'm blanking on whoever the fourth team was that year, but Minnesota made it out, and then they had to go out to Oregon for the Super Regional that year and absolutely got their clocks cleaned. Um, if Minnesota can host the Super Regional, they would host the winner of the, the number 10 seeded bracket, which the, the top team in that bracket would be LSU. Um, Texas Tech and Louisiana Tech would be the other potential teams who might be able to pull off an upset. But uh, So it looks like if Minnesota is going to make it to the College World Series, which it's, it's a long, long road to hoe, but they're going to have to go through two of the top four or five SEC teams in the country. Um, for those who don't know, SEC is by far and away the best softball conference in the country. Um, only 13 of their 14 teams play softball, but for the second year in a row, all 13 SEC teams made the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's okay, I guess. Yes. So, so, you, so you've got the worst place, I'm not sure if it's Mississippi State or something like that. Whoever finished dead last in the SEC made the NCAA tournament because the whole conference is that good. Um, so, that's actually really that's really absurd, actually. Yeah, it, it's insane. So um, it won't be easy for the Gophers, uh, but they'll have home field advantage. Jane Sage calls will be rocking. Uh, they sold out of tickets already 
this is we're recording this on Tuesday. They sold out at nine oh two this morning. Um, for the few public tickets that went on sale at 9 a.m., they were sold out in about two minutes. So uh, it should be a, a loud and raucous home crowd for the Gophers. Um, they were really good at home this year. So they'll just have to dig deep and do what they can. And, uh, again, for those who don't know, it's a it's a double, double elimination format in, in the regional. Um, and then the Super Regional, if they get there, is best two out of three, and that will be next weekend. Um but uh, the Gophers get started 8.30 Friday night against North Dakota State. Uh, Drake and Georgia play the early game. And, of course, uh, it's going to be interesting weather-wise. The current forecast for Saturday looks pretty wet. Uh, so that's going to be the other thing going against them is all of a sudden if the schedule gets condensed, you're going to be playing two, three potential games in a day, and that's really taxing on your pitching staff. So, um Minnesota's going to have to do some deep digging and see what they can do and hopefully uh, hopefully get some big wins and uh, make some program history. Looking forward to it. I'm, I'm uh, excited for a good home crowd for that uh, this weekend. All right, so let's close out with a little bit of football recruiting. Uh, Juwan Mitchell uh, has decommitted from the Gophers, is heading to Texas. Uh, Andy, I'll let you close us out with exactly why this is basically a yawn and not something to be too freaked out about yeah so Juwan mitchell is a juco player um he's that but from butler community college in kansas um so he originally uh was committed to rutgers out of high school and then did not qualify academically um so he went to butler community college last year and then did get his grades up so he qualified academically um so minnesota showed interest but they're full for the 2019 class so uh, they were planning on bringing him in in 2020 as a, as a january enrollee well some other teams still have some holes and some openings in the 2019 class and were snooping around and he visited arkansas um and he visited a couple other teams and uh, then he committed i believe monday uh to the texas longhorns who had room in his 2019 class so um he would have been a 2020 linebacker recruit for minnesota uh, he decided he'd rather reclassify, become a 2019 recruit, so he'll be he'll be a freshman on the Longhorns this fall. Um, you know, there's not much Minnesota can do. He would have been a, a nice fit at linebacker, but uh, the Gophers went out and got uh, Cody Lichtenberg from Anoka uh, as a linebacker recruit here early or late last week. Um, so P.J. Fleck knew this was coming down the pipe and, and, and made a quick replacement and picked up a, a new linebacker commit for 2020. So... Um, you know, I think uh, all in all, it's a it's it's early recruiting. It's midsummer recruiting. This is going to happen. It's not surprising. Uh, if I believe his name was Ahmad McCullough, the exact same thing happened last year. Uh, kid was committed to the Gophers, and then all of a sudden Maryland had an opening, um, and he went and became a, a 2018 Maryland recruit rather than a 2019 Minnesota recruit. And obviously, he didn't make a huge impact at Maryland because we didn't hear much about him. So. Um, you know, it, it, this is what happens, college recruiting, and that's what, you know, as the Gophers continue to sign full classes uh, without any openings, uh, you know, there, there's not much that Minnesota's going to be able to do about this if there's kids that want to reclassify if they're going to take JUCO kids like this. So, um, yeah, basically it's a, it's, a, it's a yawn. You know, we, we didn't have time to, to yearn for him and miss him. Uh, PJ is just going to get back on the recruiting trail and go find somebody else. 
So, Andy, you say that about the kid who went to Maryland, but how do you know that that wasn't the guy with the voodoo doll uh, for uh, Antoine Winfield Jr.'s uh, injury? Well, he could have been—he could have been working. He could be like a voodoo master. You don't know. He wasn't there the year before, so I mean, I'm going to guess it's somebody who's been on the roster for at least two years who's been, you know, working. What if their What if their voodoo master graduated and they found a way to replace him? Well, in that case, we're just screwed again for this fall. So uh, he might want to, you know, stay off the field come come the date when the Terps come here in October. Straight, should be would we be worried about Juku Juco Voodoo Masters this fall? No. You don't believe in Voodoo? I believe in not playing Antoine Winfield against Maryland, but I do not believe particularly in the worrisome of decommits from Juco's. He's only a little stitious. <laughs> only a little stitious. That's fair. Um Plenty of excitement coming this weekend. Go for softball. Uh, Andy, real quick, is that on TV? That's going to be on ESPN or ESPN2? Uh, the Gophers' first game Friday night will be an ESPN3 stream. Um, you know, I don't know if they've released the TV schedule for the later games. Uh, a lot of the games will be on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN3. They like to pick and choose and find the best ones that are going on, depending upon the matchups. So, um if you follow us on Twitter, which we hope you do, uh, pay attention to Twitter. I'll be trying to retweet some official things from the Gopher account, which should uh, give you some explanation of where the games are. But uh, at bare minimum, all the games should be streamed on uh, ESPN3 if, uh, if they're not at least on uh, linear uh, one of their two linear channels. Excellent. All right, got that to look forward to coming into the weekend. And with that, go Gophers. Sky Yuma, row the boat.